Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey, open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 102, the 102nd Psalm. If you don't have a traditional Bible and you're comfortable and you'd like one, just raise your hand. We will give you one. That's our gift to you. You can also open up your smart device to the YouVersion app or the Bible app, and all the notes and scriptures have already been uploaded, and we'll put all of this stuff behind me on the screen. If you're watching us online or at one of our other gatherings, love you guys. So glad that you guys are a part of our family. Happy Labor Day. Uh, it's exciting. People are camping. People are fishing. People are sleeping in. People are doing all that stuff, except for you. You are here. I could hear you from the back. You guys are excited today. You're clapping and like getting into it. So clap for yourselves just one time because you're excited. Uh, one of the most popular tourist attractions in all of America is Yellowstone National Park with the wildlife, the scenery, the geysers, and the Kevin Costner show. People from all over the world love to go there, but there's one particular place in the park that only the most daring and the most adventurous people are able to visit. It's called the Thoroughfare Ranger Station. It's in the southeast corner of the park, and if you're a ranger and you're assigned there, you're going to drive about 15 miles outside the park, get on horseback, and ride the shortest route to the station, 32 miles into the wilderness. For ultra-serious hikers, this is on all their bucket lists. Why? Because it's the most remote place in the lower 48 states. From the sky, it's actually called a dark spot on the map because there are absolutely no lights. Susan Boswell, president of the Cartographic Technology Group, was tasked by an automobile maker to find the place in the United States that is the farthest from any publicly maintained road, that spot is Thoroughfare Ranger Station, 32 miles from the closest trail. We asked ourselves, why would that be on anyone's bucket list? Why would anyone want to go there? Because it is the most secluded place in America. If you want to go somewhere where you are alone, this is the place. Another option, though, is some of your hearts. I want to talk about that today in a message we're calling One is the Loneliest Number. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. Thank you that you are the God who never leaves us. You're the God who never forsakes us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for my friends who are in this place, God, some of whom have a hole in their hearts. God, I pray that when we leave this place that that space would be filled with the only thing that can fill it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so you don't have to look very far to find lonely people. According to a recent survey, more than three in five Americans have admitted to feeling loneliness. Uh, with an increasing amount of people feeling isolated, misunderstood, and lacking in companionship, loneliness is on the rise. In, in a report conducted by the Cigna Insurance Group, it was discovered that there's been a 43% increase in confessed loneliness since 2018. 
Loneliness, it's no respecter of persons. People from all walks of life experience it. Prosperity can't ensure against it. Position can't rise above it. And power can't stand before it. There isn't anyone anywhere at any time that is more miserable than someone who has no one who loves them, cares about them, or looks out for them. In 2013 in Rotterdam, Netherlands, four days before our Thanksgiving, construction workers went to an elderly woman's apartment because they needed to replace her gas pipes. They rang her doorbell over and over and over again. There was no response. The crew eventually, they called the police in hopes of getting access. They had to complete their job. And when they were finally able to get into the apartment, it smelled terrible and they found a huge pile of mail inside the front door, the oldest pieces of which were postmarked from 10 years before. As they walked into the apartment, they made an unbelievable discovery, the decayed corpse of the woman who'd lived there. Coroners later confirmed she'd been dead, undiscovered for a little more than a decade. The New York Times, they published a study on loneliness that declared our society is experiencing what they would call a loneliness epidemic. According to former U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, loneliness can shorten a person's lifespan by as much as 15 years. In fact, he said, during my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw wasn't heart disease, it wasn't diabetes, it was loneliness. One in six baby boomers in America live alone. 50% of all American people do not know their neighbor's names. What's interesting is that Generation Z and millennials, they have the highest rate of loneliness, and that makes sense because they live most of their lives in isolation. They live most of their lives online. Most of their connections, most of their relationships, most of their friends are online. How many people can say they have 722 friends on Facebook, but they don't have any friends in real life? Loneliness, it's, it's one of the biggest threats to public health in America. Research tells us that lonely people are significantly more likely to get sick. On average, they experience a 64% decrease in cognitive function and are 45% more likely to die early. Loneliness, it's a predator. And if you struggle with it, you're not alone. When you go in scripture, it's actually the first negative emotion that humanity ever experienced. When, when Adam and Eve were cast from the garden, it was the first time that humanity had ever felt a negative emotion. The author of the 102nd Psalm, he, he felt it as well. He wrote these words. He said, I'm like a desert owl, uh, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I've become like a bird alone on a roof. You ever lie awake feeling alone? It's two o'clock in the morning and the sound of silence is deafening. Here's the good news. There's a way out. And actually today I want to give you three, three ways out of loneliness. Here's the first, is, is we need to see the power of loneliness. We need to understand uh, that there is a big difference between being alone and being lonely. I had a conversation with my son Isaiah about this a, a couple of days ago. I was kind of talking through kind of the talking points of this message, and he kind of brought that point up. He said, you know, there's a big difference between being alone and being lonely. You, you can be alone without being lonely. Uh, I'm a good example of that. Like I, I tend to recharge alone. I don't actually recharge 
around people. The thing that's interesting about me is uh, if you look at personality types, you know, if you know anything about personality types, there's people there uh, sanguine. That's Pastor Sunny. Pastor Sunny is sanguine, man. She falls out the bed looking for a good doctor. She, yay! She is happy from the drop. She's, yeah, it's a beautiful day. She's like the Lego movie guy. You know what I'm talking about? It's, and, and I wake up, I need a coffee drip from the job. Like, I need someone to put uh, a pick line in me so that you can put coffee in about five minutes before I wake up. I'm, I'm not a sanguine personality. If, if you look at the, uh, at the numbers, at the, you know, the personality numbers, it just, uh, Pastor Sonny's a seven, and she's just, yay! I'm not, like, I'm not that. I'm not a sanguine, uh, I'm more of a melancholy. That's my, my natural proclivity, and sometimes I have to, to fight against that. So what's interesting is that, is that God took this person who who isn't a natural people person, Who's, who honestly sometimes I could be a little awkward around people. It's like, uh, some, sometimes I, I, if I don't have anything to say, I'm just not gonna say it. So like, I'm not a good small talk guy. I'm not a good fill the void guy. There could be uncomfortable, awkward silences when we're together, and uh, yet God chose me to, you know, be with people all the time, all the times. Yay! So I don't, I don't, uh, I don't recharge around people. People, and I don't mean this ugly. It's just my. It's God creates different people different ways. So you need to understand if you're different than some other people, it doesn't make you bad. It just makes you different. Than other people. It's not that I don't like people. You feel me? I'm not like Ted Kaczynski. Like I'm not. I'm not. I don't worry that I'm going to move to Montana and start putting stuff in the mitt. Like I'm not that guy. I just. I just am not naturally. My battery doesn't recharge. I love people. They're just. Sometimes they're just uh, work. Some more than others. So there's just some people are work for me. So I actually. Uh, I actually recharge alone. So uh, you can be alone, and not only, there's actually times that we need to be alone, especially spiritually. Uh, It's hard to have an intimate connection with God if you never get alone with Him. You can be alone without being lonely. But on the flip side, you can be lonely without being alone. You can be in a crowd of people and still feel the pangs of loneliness. Some of you are feeling that now, even as the songs went on and you saw some people who were encountering God. They were experiencing the Holy Spirit. They were weeping and they were clapping and they were doing all this stuff and you were surrounded by people and yet you still felt alone. Henry David Thoreau, he once said, a city is a place where hundreds of people are lonely together. Because loneliness isn't isolation of space, it's isolation of spirit. It's a feeling that you're cut off, that you're unnoticed, that you're unloved, that you're unneeded, that you're even unnecessary. The violence of loneliness, it is deafening. You can hear it at night as you crawl into a half-empty bed because your spouse has walked out the door. You can hear it in a home that's quiet because all your kids have moved out. You can feel it in a mailbox that's empty because no one writes anymore, in a computer 
because your inbox sits empty or a phone that never rings with calls or dings with messages. Loneliness, it's crushing. There's just no other feeling like it because we all want to be noticed by, thought about, and cared for by somebody. And again, it's not just destructive to us emotionally. It's destructive to us physically. Loneliness increases the the risk of dementia by 40% and Alzheimer's by 84%. We need to open our eyes and see that there is a problem of loneliness. Here's the second way to move past it, is that we need to speak about the presence of loneliness. To battle the problem of loneliness successfully, you have to understand why you're lonely. There's, there's no denying the existence or the effects of loneliness, so, so we need to discover the reason for it. There's different kinds of loneliness in, uh, in a study at Columbia University by Dr. Jeffrey Young, he describes three types. Uh, There is transient, situational, and chronic. Transient, situational, and chronic. Transient transient loneliness uh, lasts anywhere from a few moments to a few hours to very rarely sometimes a few days. And, And almost everyone experiences transient loneliness from time to time. You can be alone just for, if people, people experience transient loneliness all the time. People, people are lonely anytime they're not with people. People, people are lonely in the car. They're, they're like, they could leave here and go to Walmart and, and they gotta make a pit stop at Walmart to fill up on people. You know what I'm saying? That's like, they just, some people just instantly feel uh, transient loneliness. Situational loneliness comes from a significant event. Your spouse dies, your best friend moves away, you go off to college and you don't know anyone. My daughter just went to college. Uh, that's a situational loneliness for me. It's, uh, I, 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 she, she's going to uh, Grand Canyon University in Phoenix. It was a, a beautiful, uh, major Christian university. And, uh, and so, uh, la- this past Tuesday, we were moving her into the dorms, which, by the way, it was 116 degrees moving her into the dorms. I got out. I said, does the devil live on campus? Is he the vice president of development? What? What the <laughs> What is going on around this? So I'm just saying, if I said what the hell is going on, it would be a, a place, not a cuss. I'm just saying, it was ridiculous. My shoes, I promise you if I'm lying, I'm dying. My shoes were sticking to the tar in the cracks in the sidewalk. I looked at her and said, have fun. And I was like, this, you must 116 degrees. The devil is a liar. You must be tripping. What was it today here this morning? Like 40? It was amazing. It was awesome. So I was, uh, I got some, some, uh, some advice from my friend Grant about dropping your kids off at school because I've been worried about this because my kids and I are super tight. And I've been dreading this day. And, and, and so I, 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 brought, uh, I brought the last thing to her room that set it down. Uh, we hugged for a long time on, for me, not for her. She was ready for me to go, I promise you. She had probably a party to go to. And so I hugged her, put her last thing down, and I walked out the door and I was walking uh, uh, down that, you know, poorly lit hallway. And, uh, 
And I kept saying in my mind the words of Grant, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back. And I just kept telling myself, don't look back until I pulled out onto the street. And I was just like, immediately, I felt like this, I felt like someone stole a part of me. Uh, Until uh, about seven o'clock that night, at Pastor Sunday, I went to dinner at a really nice restaurant in Scottsdale. I was like, I didn't like one time think, I wonder what Arby's doing right now. I was like, this is, meal is going to be so much cheaper. And I get to just look at this beautiful woman in the eyes with nobody calling her mommy or it's just awesome. This is the great, I love, so I love my daughter. And I'm sad that she went to school, but it was like a situational loneliness. Your your situation causes loneliness, but as soon as that situation changes or you get used to it, the loneliness fades. Situational loneliness. The third type, though, chronic loneliness, it's like a loop. And people get stuck in it. Uh, They're preoccupied with their problems and they shut people out. Essentially, these people unconsciously determine to be lonely. And Dr. Young classifies these people as individuals who feel lonely for longer than two years apart from any traumatic event. Uh, They're people who are lonely for so long that they've forgotten why they're lonely. Sigmund Freud, he told a story about a boy who was expelled from school for misbehavior, and so they made him leave uh, the school building, and, and he immediately went outside the classroom and began to throw rocks against the windows. And uh, the principal went outside and confronted the boy, and he asked him, why are you throwing rocks against the windows? And the boy said, because I wanted everyone to know I'm still here. And some of you need to throw some rocks against the windows and let some people in your life know that you're still here, that you haven't disappeared, that even though you're in solitude or solace, that you need to to understand that you still need people. Don't get caught in the loop, the labyrinth of loneliness. If you're struggling with it, ask yourself why, and then talk to someone about it. It's it's almost 100% why we do life groups. Life groups are a situation that allows you to be around people like you. The challenge for most people who don't like life, well, most people who don't, uh, this is such an overarching statement, but most of the people who don't like life groups are men. There's something in our culture where there has been this toxic masculinity that makes us think that we need to be in solitude. Uh, you're, You're not out hunting elk right now, friend. You're living life. And it is not feminine for you to have friends. It is human for you to have friends. But most men don't have them. Now, I'm not saying that that all women have them, but you know, women bond over uh, like quick stuff, quick, most women. But dudes, man, we've like these trust issues for whatever reason, like somebody's trying to conquer our kingdom. And most dudes don't, self-included. we, we have been, we have been uh, signed up for life groups in the past. And when I say we, I mean my lady will sign us up for life groups. And, and one of the things 
that uh, Pastor Sonny knows about me is don't tell me nothing till the last minute. Because I'll, 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 I have a sound. Probably no other guys in here have this sound. But when my wife says to me, uh, I could have nothing going on. Calendar be, could be clear for 364 straight days. But if my wife says to me, hey, five o'clock tonight, <sighs> it's not a, it, could, it could be anything. It's, I just, I don't know what it is, but especially, she'll say, bro, like we gotta, we gotta go. And we signed up for a group that was led by uh, doc, Dr. Dave Vandries, chiropractor, and he, he was leading a group and, and uh, our, our daughters were like best friends. So Pastor Sonny was like, oh, this would be natural. And he's my chiropractor anyway. So him and I, are, like, we're already friends. So she was like, hey, I signed us up to be in Dr. Dr. Dave's life group. Oh, for seriously, bruh, why? When I call her bruh, she knows, bruh, she knows, bruh. But she already told everybody in the group that we were in the group. So I, I, I couldn't not go to the group. She said, you're the pastor. I said, yeah, exactly. I don't want to look weak. <laughs> go to this, this group. I'm going to get there. They're going to want me to preach. You know, so I got... It was the greatest night of my life. It was incredible. I had so much fun. And it's like, like, all the, like I got connected to all the people in the group. And I, first of all, I went there. There was free food. Hallelujah. That's the cornerstone to any life group is having somebody in that group who caters it. And so it was amazing. And when the group ended, I was like, well, why are we, so, why are we, so, people need this, Dave, people need this group. What are you doing? It's selfish for you to, it was incredible. It's just like, this is why we do life groups. And I know that you don't want to go, some of you, but I promise you, if you just, just try, just step outside of your comfort zone. It's, it's, not, it's not therapy. It's a group of people who really like you and who really want to be around you and who want to build a relationship with you and who want to make sure that you're not alone. We, we do life groups because everybody needs to talk to somebody because one of the ways out of loneliness is to speak about it. Okay? Here's the third way, is we need to stop the power of loneliness. Loneliness is a void. It's a vacuum, and it sucks people in. It, it traps them. It captures them. And, and that void, it screams to be filled. So people are naturally trying to fill it with anything that they can, with drinks or drugs, sex or porn, social or spending. But none of that is going to fix it or fill it. Years ago, the Late great evangelist Billy Graham said, we all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts and nothing else fits in that space but him. But that vacuum, that void, it's so strong, it's so powerful that it can imprison us. So what can we do to fight it? Uh, I wanna leave you with two suggestions to fill the hole in your heart. Uh, first is to reach out. If you're lonely, reach out to someone for help. If you know someone who is lonely, reach out to them to give help. They need your help. Their lives, they, they may depend on it. Years ago, I was working on Pastor Sonny's parents' ranch. It's in half in Montana and half in Wyoming. And, and her younger brother was out in this, this little lake, which, by the way, I had a nickname on the ranch. I didn't grow up around a ranch. I didn't grow up 
around uh, cows or horses or grass or, you know, I grew up in the city is what I'm saying. And uh, when I went out to the ranch to work, uh, I wore Timberlands and I had on Jinko jeans. If anybody remembers some Jinkos, I look like crisscross. You know what I'm talking about? Crisscross will make you jump, jump. The Daddy Mac will make you. Anyway, whatever. I had on Jinko jeans and, uh, and a, I, I called it a wicker hat. It was a, I had a straw hat. And the hired men, if you watch Yellowstone with Kevin Costner, true to form, the, the, like the hired men who had all the skull, like there was no skull left in the state for anyone else. Like they had it all in, in, the, in the lip and they all, and they, they, they came up with a nickname for me. My nickname was Crawl. If you, anybody who's seen Son-in-Law with Pauly Shore, that was my, that was my nickname. To this day in Montana, my nickname is crawl. And so uh, one day was, work was done. We're cooking out. We're at this little lake, which by the way, after this story, you'll understand why they have renamed the lake the Widowmaker. And so and my brother-in-law was in a little boat. He lost his oar and he was stuck in the middle of the lake. And so I decided that I would just swim out there and I would get him his oar back. The problem was I was wearing Jenko jeans and Timberland work boots. And I didn't anticipate the effect I mean, those are big pockets. Jinko pockets are the size of this room. They're like a, like a gallon Ziploc. You could fit earth inside the pockets of Jinko jeans. And, and when the Jinko pockets filled, uh, and, and you, can't, you can't be from the city, I'm just saying, you can wear your Timberlands how you want, but you, you can't wear, t- where, you, where I'm from, you can't wear Timberlands and tie them up. I'm just saying it's against the rules. So I, I had on the Jinkos and the untied uh, Timberland boots, trying my best to look like Buster Rhymes. And, and so I took out into the lake and I didn't anticipate the effect was going to have on those two things. And, and I got about halfway to her brother and the weight of the water on my jeans and my boots made it to where I couldn't make it to the boat, nor could I make it back to the shore. And so in my effort to help someone else, I started to sink. And Sonny's dad had to swim to me and pull me back in. And so now they call the lake <laughs> the Widowmaker. <laughs> Some of you are in that place with loneliness. You're, you're, you're halfway out. You, you can't reach the boat and you can't reach the shore. But some of you are like my father-in-law. But you know, you know someone who is in between the boat and the shore. And it is both of our responsibility, the one who is halfway between the boat and the shore and the one who knows someone who is to reach out. I read this quote the other day. I have no clue who said it. Uh, It was anonymous, but I just thought that it was so good. Someone said, it's no new thing to be lonely. It comes to all of us sooner or later. If we try to retreat from it, we end up in a darker hell. But if we face it, if we remember that there are millions of others like us, if we try to reach out to comfort them and not ourselves, we find in the end we are lonely no longer. I mean, one of the great cures of loneliness is for you to reach out to others, but the other cure is for you to reach out in need. This is why we do uh, Journey to Wholeness. Journey to Wholeness lets us recognize what is that uh, source of loneliness? What is that pang of pain that we feel? And once we identify that source, once we identify that pang, we can begin to deconstruct it 
and rebuild our lives in a place where we feel the peace that only comes from the presence of God. So reach out. Secondly uh, is reach up. Jesus understands your loneliness. Uh, the psalm that I read a little bit earlier, it's actually called, it's, uh, it's called the Messianic Psalm, and a Messianic Psalm is prophetic. It's, it's talking about Jesus, what he would experience, what he would feel. And on the cross, Jesus felt the most crushing loneliness that anyone has ever felt. And this Messianic Psalm, it, it predicts it. It says, all day long my enemies taunt me. You ever feel like all day long your enemies taunt you? He said, those who rail against me use my name as a curse, for I eat ashes as my food and I mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and you have thrown me aside. Have you ever felt like somebody has thrown you aside? Jesus felt that on the cross. Felt the weight of loneliness echoed in some of his last words when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, our Savior, he was subjected to depths of loneliness that are deeper than those that anyone ever has or ever will experience again. But he did that so that when you feel the weight, the burden of loneliness, you can reach up and you can find the hand of a God who's felt what you're feeling and has already said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You'll find the hand of a God who's promised, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You'll find the hand of a God who's here to help you and to be with you forever. He understands the power of loneliness and he's here to help you if you'll just reach up. Will you do that today? I hope so. Because one, it's the loneliest number. Would you close your eyes all across this place? Some of you are here and you are alone. You feel like there is no one on this planet who sees you, who hears you, who understands, who cares. Some of you feel that way even though you came with people. And I tell you that there is a friend, the Bible says, who sticks closer than a brother who just said he's not going to leave no matter what. I, I can't help you with your human relationships, but I can help you with the most important relationship that you'll ever have, the relationship between you and God. Sometimes we look at salvation like it's a rescue line, and it is. But the beauty of salvation isn't just in the rescuing, it's in the relationship. It's in this idea that if I just reach up, he'll reach down. And so I wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I, I don't have a relationship with God. I came here and uh, spiritually, I'm between the boat and the shore. I, I wanna help you with that today. The Bible says that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You'll be rescued like I was by my father-in-law on the Widowmaker. And so today I want to give you the opportunity to be rescued, to be saved. It really takes two things. It takes confessing and professing. Confessing uh, that you've got sin in your life and professing that you believe that Jesus can change that. So today, in just a moment, I'm going to do two things. With nobody looking around in just a moment, I'm going to ask for people who don't have a relationship with Jesus to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact, you can put your hand down. That will be your act of confession. Secondly, I'm gonna say a few lines in a prayer, then I'm gonna pause, 
And when I pause, if you repeat the lines I just said and mean them in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So I wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I am spiritually lost. I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I'd like to before I leave this place. With nobody looking around, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now? Thanks. 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 Thank you. Okay, I'm going to ask everyone in here to say these words. Say, Jesus, I have sin in my life. I don't want it anymore. Will you take it? Will you forgive it? Will you come into my life and save me? In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if you're hearing you say, Sean, I'm saved, like I'm, I'm going to heaven. That uh, if we could just cut the bull, you're like, bro, I'm lonely. If that's you, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you say, Sean, I'm lonely with nobody looking around, would you raise your hand so that I can pray for you? Golly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, for my friends in this place, I pray that the power of loneliness would be broken in their lives. That God, as they reach out and reach up, that you'll reach down, God. Give them peace that surpasses all understanding. Heal our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Uh-huh.